Before I get into the word, which I believe that God's laid in my heart for us today, I want to go over something that he's put in my spirit all week long. And it was something that if you were here last week, Caleb preached, and uh, it was an awesome message. If you haven't, if you wasn't here, go back and check it out. It was really good. But something that he said, and he was speaking of spiritual gifts, and that's kind of what our church has been focused on a lot here lately is just the, the spirit of Jesus seeking after spiritual gifts, and uh, Caleb said something, and he was saying, and he was speaking more in the natural on this, and he said, you know, when I give to my kids, when I give them a gift, you know, it blesses them, they're excited, and he said, but, you know, I get just as excited, he said, I I think he even said that, you know, I may get more excited than they do, so God just, uh, with, with that said, he he showed me something, and um, I just want to tell a little bit about myself. I, I grew up, you know, um, late 80s into 90s. I'm a sports fan. And so I grew up, and I liked the NBA, and I, I liked Michael Jordan. So I grew up kind of in the wheelhouse of, of MJ. And, um, you know, then as most of you guys know him, and then he came out, of course, with a line of clothes or a line of shoes and Jordans and um, – my my all time I had a couple pairs. I mean they were pretty expensive, but I had a few pairs over the years. But my favorite all time pair were the Jordan Elevens. I loved them, especially the black and red ones. And I didn't get a pair back in the day. But with that said, they began to re-release the shoes over years, over time. So three years ago, they were going to release the Jordan Elevens again, the black and red ones, and. Um, but with that said, it, it, it wasn't something like it's really easy to get. You got to get a, you got to put in for a ticket, and it's like you got to have a chance to buy these shoes. It's not like you can just go to wherever and just pick them up. You got to have an opportunity, a chance. So again, coming up on Christmas time, and the kids were doing their usual things like they always do, checking in with my wife. You know, what's what's Dad want? What's he want? And um, you know, so this year, you know, I usually always told them, don't worry about it, don't get me nothing, just get you something, you know, something like that. But this year, I was like, you know what? I want them Jordans. <laughs> I want them Jordan 11s. So I, I told my kids, told my wife, I said, you know, let them all get together, you know, put their money in. I want them Jordan 11s. So, um, and then we just kind of had fun with it leading all the way up to it. And, um, you know, the kids would say, you know, I'd say, did you get my Jordans yet? Yeah, right, Dad. What else do you want? Because we're not getting those things for you. It's, that's not happening. So they're, they're messing back and forth with me, and we're just having fun with it. So um, so leading up to that Christmas, so Christmas three years ago, everybody else had all opened their gifts up. You know, the kids were all through their stuff, and they gave me a box. And I opened this box up, and I'm all excited because when I tore the paper off of it, it was a Jordan box. I'm like, are you kidding me? I got my Jordan 11s. So I opened the box up, and there's a bunch of, like, M&Ms and Tootsie Rolls. And, I mean, I, I remember kicking the box away. I think I might have even teared up a little bit. But, but anyway, uh, so then, and they were all gathered around taking pictures as I was doing that. They thought that was pretty fun. I, I didn't think it was funny. I think my kids are here somewhere. But anyway, that, so that leads up to... Well, I got a little video. They said, Dad, hold on. There's one more box under this tree, so. (laughs) 
the smirk is because I think I'm going to get played again. Is this the one? What is it, my old shoes? That's what you did do, didn't you? This is my original Jordans, ain't it? Still unbelief. I just said, "Did you get them?" I was, I'm holding them, but here they are today. But so anyway, but right. So right after that video, and this is what I'm getting about with something that hit me with Caleb said. So I admired them all day, looked at them, thought they were the most awesome things in the world, and I promptly put them back in the box and put them in the closet. And and, I, and I'm a shoe guy, but I put them back in the closet. My wife came to me and the kids and they're like dad you wanted them Jordans so bad you know that's all you talked about and you're not even wearing them you're not wearing them we got them for you and you ain't wearing them I mean what's that all about so but so what I what I told my wife was I said I don't want to mess them up I, I can't I can't I mean look at them I can't mess these things up you know I said I just want to tuck them back in their box Put them in their closet, put them in a safe place where nothing can happen to them. So, it, and what, what I started thinking about in the natural through, again, through Caleb was, I really stole my kids' blessings on that. You know, my, they, they were so happy. You know, I was the receiver, and, and I opened that, that up and was so joyous, as you guys seen. And I was so happy. But, you know, they, were, they had that joy for that minute you know, for that moment, but then it quickly went away as I put them away. So then God started showing it to me how it looks spiritually. And, you know, we pray and we, we're supposed to ask for spiritual gifts. But, you know, sometimes I believe, I just believe this is a word for somebody today. I know it was a word for me. Do we put our spiritual gifts, do we tuck them away in a safe place? Do we put them away in a closet? Do we operate in them? And, you know, I just go on and I think, you know, I think the only thing that moves God is, is faith. That's the economy that moves God. It, it, it levels the playing field. Nothing we can't buy, we can't earn it. It's nothing we can do to gain it but faith. So the Bible says that we should desire, we should seek the best of the gifts. So, you know, he, he may give them to us, may give them that gift, but if we're talking them away in a closet and not operating in them, I mean, how do we know if we have them? So I'm just saying here to somebody today, put the Jordans on. Put the Jordans on. And what I'm really saying, you guys know what I mean, operate in the spiritual gifts. Pray, ask for him. And God wants us. He wants to bless us. He wants to give us those gifts. And then I think that when he... When he looks down, you know, we're, we're praying for healing for somebody. We're praying deliverance for somebody. We're operating in these spiritual gifts. I just think God was just looking down and saying, yeah, there's, there's my son. There's my daughter. And then it blesses him as, it's, as, it, as he blessed us. So don't tuck that thing away. Get it out. Get them spiritual gifts out and use them. That's what we're to do. So... Anyway, with that said, I, I, now I'm going to get into today's message that I believe that he gave to me. And he, 
gave me this message. It was during the time of re- the revival services. Um, it was uh, about that time, and, and he just began to pour this thing into me, and he began to highlight just a bunch of, bunch of sections in this story. And it's, I'm going to be reading out of John 4, and it's 3 through 42, if you want to read there. But um, I just be, he, he just began to highlight some things through there, and that's what I hope that I unpack today. I hope that I can show that and deliver that. Is there any farmers in the house today? I mean, we are in Brown County. Just a, just a couple farmers. Ron, you're a farmer, aren't you? Okay, there's, there's Ron's hand. Okay. So, um, so what, I, what I believe that I want to, what God wants to get out of this message, I believe that he wants to do the same thing that he tried to get out of this message 2,000 years ago, and that's to tell the church it's harvest time. It's harvest time, church. And I believe that he also wants to show me who can be a farmer and then where our field's at, where, where, where we are to harvest at. So I'm going to open up. I'm going to read John 4, 34 and 35 will be my scriptures that I'm going to read out of. Again, it's John 4, 34 and 35. And it says, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months, and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Church, I said lift up your eyes. And look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Gracious Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I just pray and ask for your anointing, Lord, to give this message as to the way that I believe that you've given it to me. Lord, empty me of myself and just infill me with your Holy Spirit. I depend on your anointing, Lord. I need your anointing. And Lord, I just pray that you anoint all the people here, anybody that can hear this. um, Just anoint their ears to hear. And Lord, I pray that all that I do and say, I bring you honor and glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So I want to start off, like I said, I'm going to be going through this scripture, be going through this story. And then I'm just going to kind of stop on some places where I believe that God shows me, showed me some applicable things in this story that happened with our church. And, and also just um, to, some, so to, to highlight some of them key points and to bring them out and things that we've witnessed. If you've been here for, with, this, with Free People Church for a while now, we, we've witnessed a lot of awesome stuff. We've witnessed an awful lot of God's moving, so that's what I hope to highlight. So the story starts off, and um, Jesus is with the disciples, and they're in Judea. And it says that they're getting ready to depart and go up to Galilee. So in between Judea, it's southern, and then Galilee's north of it, but in between that is Samaria. Now, for time purposes, I'm not going to get into a lot of um, what was going on there, but there was a bitterness between the Jewish people and the Samaritans um, to the point where the, the Jordan River is a border on the eastern side of it, and they would even, passing around there, go through the river. I know I'm not going to, through no river to get somewhere. I'm going more straight through it. Um, but that, that was the bitterness, so much that they went around. And, but, and that, that became routine, 
that was the routine path for them to go to. So um, I just, and the reason they did this, so Jesus, when they got ready to leave, he, he stopped what was routine. He stopped the normal. And he says, we must go through Samaria. I like how the King James Version says that he says, we must needs go through Samaria. So, I mean, it was a very bold, like, we're not going around, we're not going the normal way, the normal routine. We are going through there. And the reason being because Jesus knew that there was a thirsty soul. He knew that there was somebody there that he had to chase down, as Heather uh, spoke about in her word today. Jesus will chase us down. He will always chase us down. That's No matter our situation, no matter the things we've done, how bad we've been, he will pursue us. I love that word that she gave today, and that's how God works. It's just so timely. So, and, and I ask, just ask you guys today, where's your Samaria at? Are you guys going the, the, the routine, normal way that you do and going around your Samaria? And I, now I'm not, I'm, I'm comparing Samaria just to, to where you're at, your local place. Just, just look at that as whether you're at work or your school. Is there somebody there in that path that's thirsty, that needs a Savior, that needs somebody to love on them and just to sit and engage with them? Is that person there in your path? But you know what? They're a little bit different than me. I don't like what they do. They're, they're, they're pretty heavy, and uh, they got a lot of issues going on. So I'm going to go around that person. So I just... I believe that's for somebody today. Don't go around that person anymore. Go to that person. That person needs Jesus. That person needs you. They need the gospel spoken to them. So, and, and I think of uh, Pastor Aaron. So before all the revival services started, um, you know, everything was going well here in church and nice, comfortable building, um, sound system, you know, a lot of nice uh, seats. Climate controlled, you know, perfect conditions, everything's great. But God began to tell Pastor Aaron, hey, I want you to go on a three-week revival service. And he gave him three appointed places to go, Ripley, Georgetown, and Mount Orb. And, and it wasn't the normal way. It wasn't the routine way. But, you know, Pastor Aaron prayed into it, and he knew that it was a, he knew it was a God. He's like, I, I have to do this. I must need go through there. So he, he went to a Samaria. And the reason being, because God knew that there was thirsty souls there. He knew that there was some uh, sowing and reaping work that had to be done there. So Pastor Aaron was obedient. And you guys, if any of, any of you guys witnessed it, we had three great weekends in a row. But, you know, with that came, it was uncomfortable. It was different. It was late nights. It was... Uh, packing all the equipment up and bringing it, getting it there, taking it away, hoping it doesn't rain, but it didn't matter. God said, you need to do this. And again, Pastor Aaron was obedient and along with the rest of the leadership team as they prayed into it and said, yeah, let's do this. So anyway, so when they, when they went to Samaria, it said that they, the word says that they arrived in a city called Sychar. And there at Sychar was Jacob's well. And um, 
you guys are probably all, like I said, familiar somewhat with the story. But there, the well was there. And when it says when Jesus got there, that he was hungry, he was thirsty. He was wearied from his long journey. So his disciples, so, so Jesus sat at the well, and his disciples went to get food to eat. And then came the woman. <clears throat> and the woman came up to the well, and it was the noon hour. It was noontime. And we can learn a lot about the woman just by the time of the day that it was and also further down in the text some of the things that she was caught up in but it, it was noon and all the everybody else had come earlier in the day to get their water they would come first thing in the morning get their water for the day for their family for their livestock and then they would have their water but this woman was so caught up in things she was so ashamed she was probably beat down in her community. Um, she was just embarrassed of the things that she was done, what she was doing. So she literally would change her whole schedule around to where when she showed up, that nobody else would be there. So she basically was isolating herself. But again, Jesus thought she was worth chasing down. He went through that place, that place that wasn't routine, that place that wasn't normal. He went there just to chase her down. And when she comes up, she walks up, so Jesus engages and engages to her just like he does with everyone. He says, woman, give me a drink. And the woman says, you're a Jewish person. I'm a Samaritan. You know, we, we have no dealings with each other. Why would you ask a drink of me? And he says, if you knew the gift of God and knew who it was that was asking you for a drink, you would have said, give me a drink, and I would have gave you living water. So at this, the lady said, "What? so are you, are you greater than Jacob? Jacob who gave us this well? Jacob who drank from this well? Jacob who fed his sons and his daughters from this well? He fed his livestock? Are you greater than him? And now Jesus, this is where he flipped it on her, and he, he began to get spiritual with her because he knew, again, he knew her issues. He knew that her sin was deep. And he but more importantly, he knew that she was trying to draw from other sources other than Jesus for her thirsty soul. She was looking at other things. And no, nothing can quench your thirst, friend, other than Jesus Christ. And and I just I want to stop here for a minute again, back to when I was saying, you know, let's not let's not go around that person that we may go around, but it's, it's, a, it's a thirsty world. If somebody doesn't have Jesus Christ in their, as their Lord and Savior and in their life, they're, they're thirsty. They're, they're spiritually thirsty. They're going to keep on going back to another source, and that's, what, that's where the spiritual and the natural keeps going back and forth with the story. This woman had to go there every day, every day, every day, and Jesus, but he's talking spiritual. If you're going to another source to try to cover up your issues, you're, you're never going to quench that. You know, the, the, there's a world out there, like I said, that's dying. It's turning to other things, turning to other sources, drawing from another well, drawing, you know, whether they're turning to, you know, drugs, alcohol, or, you know, religion, if they're looking at false religion, if they're secularism, if they're going to any other source, they're drawing from a, the wrong well. But Jesus tells her, again, after he flipped the script on her and got, 
got uh, or spiritual with her, and he said, whoever drinks of this water, speaking about where she's going, you will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I will give shall be an everlasting fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. So again, he's, he's, he's explaining that spiritually. The water that I shall give, Jesus speaking of him, it will lead to everlasting life. So now the woman's intrigued. She's intrigued, and she says, give me, the, give me this water. And Jesus then, he, he says, go get your husband. Bring him here. Come back here, and I'll give you some of this water. So the woman... She said, sir, I I have no husband. And he said, you answered well. You've had five husbands, and the one you are with now is not even your husband. So right here, Jesus is addressing sin. And I know a lot of places, um, a lot of of churches don't even like addressing sin, but it must be addressed. If Jesus said it needed to be addressed, it must be addressed. And when you think of Jesus... That his purpose, his whole purpose of coming here is becoming manifest into the flesh was to, to pay the price for sin. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. So Jesus, that the price that he paid was for sin. So when sin entered the world, that's, that's the cause of everything that's bad in this world. It's everything that's wrong. It's everything that's, that's not right. And there's only, there's only one answer to that problem, and that's Jesus Christ and what he did at the cross. So, but you notice, though, when he came to this woman, he didn't come to her and, you know, thumping her upside the head. And He came to her in love. He came to her and engaged in her. He came to her, and he wasn't condemning her. And when you look through, all throughout the Bible, that's what Jesus did. He didn't run away from the sinners. He ran to them. He met us in our place of brokenness. He met us in our, in our sin. You know, when you, when you think about, you know, he ate with the, the taxpayers and, and the sinners. He ate with them. And, of course, the religious people would look at him. What's he doing? Why is he doing that? Why would he eat with them? But he did. Um, <clears throat> the woman that was caught in adultery, they brought her to him. And what did he tell her? He said, go, sin no more. He said, where's your accusers? They're gone. And he said, and I'm not condemning you, but go and sin no more. So he, he, you know, he says, uh, he talks about a doctor. A doctor doesn't go to the healthy. A doctor goes to the sick. That's how he referred himself. Everybody knows the scripture, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But what's John 3, 17 say? God sent Jesus not to condemn us, not to condemn us, but to save us. Now, don't, please don't mix my words as far as I, I believe that Jesus will save us from sin. He won't ever save us in it. True repentance is when we turn from that thing. And that's when we truly accept Jesus in our heart, and we will turn from it. So... Again, he's not going to save us in it, but he'll save us from it. 
So <clears throat> the woman then said after that, after Jesus basically you know, told her what she was doing, she said, sir, you must be a prophet. And she said, our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and the Jewish people worship in Jerusalem. And he said, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, but you will worship in spirit and in truth. So right here, Jesus is teaching the, the woman. He's teaching her true worship, which is worship to Jesus Christ. That's what we do. That's what our team did so beautifully well this morning. Aren't you glad we got such a great worship team? Yeah, give it up for them. They are truly awesome. So, it's, so when you start looking at the model of all this, Jesus is going to the thirsty. He's going to the lost. He comes to her. He engages in her. He has dialogue with her. And then he begins to tell her about true worship. He tells her about her issues that she's going on. But again, it, it was done in love, I believe. <clears throat> and then, so the woman, after, after he's telling her about worship, she said, you know, she said, the Messiah is coming, which is the Christ. He'll tell us all this stuff. He'll tell us everything. He'll tell us what to do. And that's when he reveals himself to her. He says to her, the woman, the person that you're speaking of, I am he. So I think, it, I just feel this right now. It's like when God, when Jesus truly does reveal himself to us fully, because he said this is me, it's after that repentance, after that sin's dealt with. It's after it's dealt with. So once she, I believe in her heart that she turned from it. He told her what she was doing was wrong. It, it began to convict her. So then once that, that conviction was happening, and then he said, it's me. So once that, once that movement starts, then Jesus, I believe, will always reveal himself to us. <clears throat> There's an awesome story in, uh, in Exodus with Joseph, the story of Joseph. And this hit me years ago, and I always thought it was awesome. But Joseph, um, I'm not going to get off path too much, but Joseph went and when he was um, second command in Egypt, second only to Pharaoh, he, uh, and he was in charge of all the food, and he was distributing it out. Now his brothers and his sisters and everybody that had wronged him, they put him in the pit. And then you're, you know, later on when they came back to him, and this is the point I'm making, they didn't know who Joseph was. And in that story, Joseph is a type or a shadow of Christ. They didn't know who he was. And I think that Jesus was, or Joseph was just testing his brothers to see if they had changed, to see if they repented. So he put them through a bunch of tests that they had to run through, and he put them back in the same situation as to where he did what they did to him. But this time, they came to him, they came to Joseph in a repentive heart, and they said, please don't do this. Don't do this to my younger brother. It's going to hurt my dad. And when he did that, Joseph broke down and cried, and he said, it is I. It is I. So, again, when you look at the story, he's a type of Christ in it. When they repented, when they turned around, then he revealed himself to them. So, I just, I think that's awesome. So, after, the, after he says this, that 
this is, this is me, that you're, who you're speaking of, the Messiah, the Christ. It says that she put her water pot down. Let me, let me say it over here. She put her water pot down. Is this hitting anybody yet? When you meet Jesus, your plans will change. Your plans will change. This woman had one job. Go to the well, get water for the family, the livestock, and bring it home. But she had an encounter. She had a thirsty soul. She met Jesus, and she put her water pot down. I know my plans changed when I met Jesus. Yeah, I remember calling my, my, my friends the things that I used to do, the things that, uh, the way I used to live. And I, I can't do that no more, fellas. And it, man, you're weird now. Get away from me. You're weird. And I said, you know, yeah, I am weird. I'm, weird, I'm weirdly in love with Jesus. He will change your life as he changed this lady. He'll make you forget your plans. The things that you used to do, you won't want to do anymore. Because now you're on course. Now you're living for Jesus. So, so anyway, the, she takes off, and she's evangelizing. And, but right before she left, the disciples come back with the food. And they, they're, they're looking at Jesus talking to this woman, and they're thinking, man, what, what's she doing talking to them? Why, why, or why is he talking to them? Why is he talking to her? I don't, I don't understand what's going on here. And um, it just, I, I just have to say it, I just hope that we're never in a place to where we, we don't talk to somebody because we don't feel like they're unworthy, unworthy to minister to or they shouldn't be talked to. Again, Jesus talked to her, and that should be our model. That should, that's how we should live. We should be talking to everybody. So, and, and I keep, and the disciples, here's what's even crazy. I mean, that was the church. That was the followers of Christ. That's the ones who he was speaking to. Um, you guys, a lot, of, a lot of you guys have seen the people from the Phoenix Center that have come here. And absolutely been on fire for Jesus. I mean, they're such a blessing and an encouragement. But, you know, they, they told me that they've gone into other churches before. And they said they didn't feel really welcome. They didn't feel that, like that anybody really cared about them. And they just didn't feel like it was home, like they weren't accepted. Like everybody just looked at them and stuck their nose up to them. And, you know, I'm, I'm touching on that because if, if, if it's in the Bible... And Jesus was correcting his church way back then, you know. We just, we got to be mindful. And I, I don't think we do it because that's why they come here. They said, when we come here, we're part of the family. And they are. They're brothers and sisters in Christ. Hey, the blood covers everything, right? The blood covers it all. So they're, they're brothers and sisters just with us. So, but, but anyway, back to the lady. So she's, she's off evangelizing. And, and I want to sit right here for a minute. And so when you, when you start to think about, okay, well, this lady has an encounter. Uh, Jesus addresses her sin issue. She, she turns from it. She accepts Jesus Christ as her Savior. And now she takes off and she's evangelizing. And how much schooling did she have before she took off to do that? How, mu how much uh, scripture did she read? The answer is nothing. 
The answer is none. She took off and evangelized. And I'm saying that, of course, we should study ourselves approved. The Bible tells us that. Of course, we should get in these growth groups. We should come to church every day, read our Bibles every day. We should do stuff to advance us. But I'm just saying that I don't want you to think that I'm not qualified. That's where I'm going with this. I don't want anybody in here. If you're calling yourself a follower of Christ, you are qualified to go evangelize. You're, you're qualified to go back to your community and tell others about Jesus. And in fact, I think a lot of times the radical person, when a radical person changes, people does see a difference. And I know that, that they started seeing it in me. At first, they kind of made fun of me, but then, you know, and then they kind of start accepting it and start asking. They start asking questions. Back to the Phoenix Center. These guys are so on fire for Jesus. I mean, they're coming here, and they've had encounters with Jesus, and they're running back to their field. They're sprinting back to the Phoenix Center, and they're saying, just like this woman said 2,000 years ago when her life was changed, they're saying, come see a man. Come see a man. Come see a man. His name is Jesus. He changed my life, and he can change yours. So, so then the disciples come back out. Now, the, now the woman, she's off evangelizing, and, and I want one more second on that. So, and I just felt led to say this this morning. I'm going to say it today. I'm going to tear down some walls of religion and say that women are amazing evangelists. Don't ever think, if you're a woman, that I don't qualify or I can't preach the good news. I mean, because that's, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Because we see right here, this woman right here was the first evangelist to the Gentile nation. She went and preached. I think of Mary Magdalene at the tomb when Jesus had risen. She was the first one that sprinted back and said, he is risen. He is risen. So that right there is two examples. You know, come into our church. Let Kathleen grab you and pray for you, Sister Ruth. I don't like naming names because I miss people and people get mad at me. But come up here with some of these mighty women and let them pray for you and let them give you, tell you some scripture and tell you some of the good things that the Lord's done with them. So don't ever disqualify yourself. So why, why, why she's off doing this, and now God's, he, he's given a lesson to his church. And again, this is the d- disciples, and they're coming over to him, and they're saying, Master, Master, eat. you got to eat. He's like, I have food that you don't, that you don't even know of. And they're, they're standing back again. Who fed them? Did you give him something to eat? I didn't. So he said, look, the, the food that I eat is to do the will of my father who sent me and to finish it. And then he's, he's, he's trying to, again, he's using a, a natural and then trying to show him the spiritual meaning of it. And he shows them, he says, you say, trying to get them out of their mindset, you say that the harvest is in four months. In other words, we're back to this routine thing. It's got to look this way. It's got to look that way. This person can be ministered to, but that person can't because they got issues. They're back, they're back in their small-minded mindset. And he's saying, I tell you to look up. The harvest is now. And that's what I'm telling you this morning, church. It's like Jesus did 2,000 years ago. The, the harvest is now. It's harvest time. It's harvest time. So... Then he begins, to, he begins to teach them a little bit about sowing and reaping. And he told them, he said, 
you know, I brought you here. I brought you to Samaria for this thirsty soul. And I brought you here to reap, to reap souls. And you guys are just, you're worried about food. And of course, Jesus isn't saying don't eat. And, but what he's saying is prioritize. And in church, we need to prioritize. Thirsty and hungry souls, lost souls, should be the first thing that we think of. There's time to eat later. We'll eat. Ain't nobody in here starving. We're not going to starve. So that's what he's trying to tell them. I got my father's business to do. I'm about my father's business, and I want to finish it. And he's, and he's telling them then, sowing and reaping. He said, I brought you here to, to reap. So you guys got the easy work. You're just coming in here, and you're coming into somebody else's labors, or where somebody else labored, but it doesn't matter because if, whether you sow or reap, we should rejoice together. Now, I want to tell on myself here a little bit because in these revival services, pastor asked me to be over uh, salvation and baptism. That's, that's what he asked me to do. So, and my heart is for salvation first and foremost. We, we do have other blessings, Kathleen, healing, um, Dallas deliverance, and Lynn. Um, I, I don't want to go in on with all that again, but my heart is for, for souls for lost souls, leading them to Jesus. That's just my burden. So anyway, he asked me to be over that. And man, all these people are coming to me, and it's like they're all ready. They're, they're ready to give their lives to Jesus. So I'm, I'm you know, reading Romans 10, 9, 10, telling them that it's a heart thing, it's not a mind thing. I'm leading them to salvation, and it's real, man. They're crying, and, you know, all, all this is happening. And, I mean, they're just, right after they're doing that, they're jumping in the water, and I'm just standing there like, man, I'm, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm collecting all this low-hanging fruit. I'm, I'm the one that's reaping all this. But I didn't really do much of the labor with it. I didn't do a whole lot of the sowing. Um, I, I, I think of Pastor Aaron, first of all, for getting Phoenix Center here. I think of, you know, the people that's gone over to Dallas, you know, ministering to them, um, going over on Friday nights with them. I think of... Uh, Hawkins, he's one of the drivers, man. He gets them here faithfully. I think of my daughters that, that worked over there and th- that gets them here. So a lot of it, there's been a lot of people that's been sowing into it. And then, you know, some get to reap, some get to do that part. But, you know, then there's others also that I think of where I, well, I've done a lot of sowing. There's there, my, my old boss that I still pray for to this day um, and done a lot of ministering to him. A lot of sowing. And I just pray to God, the Lord, that somebody will come along. Somebody will do the, you know, harvest. You know, God always provides the increase. But again, it's about sowing and it's about harvest. And it's about both of us rejoicing together. Um, I think of a story, another um, Bible story that backs up what I'm saying. took place in Acts chapter 8. And it says that there was an Ethiopian man there, a eunuch. And it says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Philip, and it told Philip to go down there and to, to, to minister to him. So Philip goes down. He's obedient. He goes down into, to, to, to this Ethiopian man. And this Ethiopian man, he's reading out of the book of Isaiah. So somebody's been sowing. Somebody put a Bible in this man's hand. Somebody had been working on him, but yet he didn't know, from, he didn't know who the Lord was yet. So Isaiah comes up to him, or I'm sorry, Philip comes up to him, and he says, do you know what you're reading? He said, no, how can I know? I don't have a guide. 
Nobody's here to explain this to me. So Philip tells them the meaning of the scripture and then leads them, into, leads them to Jesus Christ. And in fact, it even says that he believed that Jesus is the son of God. So he gave his self, he gave his self to Jesus. And that's just another example of reaping and sowing. And it says what, after, they, after he gave himself to Christ, they took off. And it says right down the, right down the road a little bit, there was, there was some water. And the man said, can I get baptized? And I, I feel like that's where I was at with it. And he said, absolutely, you can get baptized. There was a man here this morning. I don't know if any of you guys were here this morning. There was another Phoenix Center brother. He stood there, and he, he was ministered to last week, Matt had told me, at our men's group. So he'd already gave himself to, 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 or gave his life to Jesus. He walked right up here in the middle of praise and worship. It was the most awesome thing I've seen. Walked right up here, stood right here. He didn't wait on nobody to come up and baptize him. He didn't wait. He just, he just did the nasty plunge straight back. Woo! It was awesome. Was it awesome, Jonas? But, but again, that's what Jesus will do. That's how Jesus changes lives. That's what he does. And like I said, just this whole story, just look how it's laid out. And I'm just telling you, don't go around anybody. Look for those people that's in our Samaria. They've got issues. They've got needs. Yes, they do. But you know what? So did we. That, and that's our field. I, I was in a field. I'm glad somebody came to me and pulled me out of the field. Aren't you glad somebody pulled you guys out of the field? Amen. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So the question that I asked at the beginning of the day, I said, are there any farmers out here? So now you guys, you guys starting to understand this. Anybody awake in here today? <laughs> so that was a spiritual question. Is there any farmers here today? Can I see, I'm a farmer. Hey, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a farmer. And Jesus is telling us that the harvest is now. The harvest is now. The fields are white. His word tells us that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So we got to get out there. And then we ask, so who's who's a qualifier? I, I just answered that. A qualifier is if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a spiritual farmer. You are a spiritual farmer, and it's harvest time. It's harvest time, church. You ask where the field's at. And I tell you the field, I, I call it the field of whosoever. And that means whosoever's around you. Whosoever is around you that does not know Jesus Christ is in that field. And we got to reach them. We have to reach them. Do you guys feel the burden? It's, 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 we wonder what's going on in this world and just all the darkness and all the evil and all the things that's not right. It's, we need to get some more lights in this world. It's dark. We need to get more lights. We need to get more lights. One more thing. Um, back with the, uh, the, the disciples, and then that's the church. And, and when you think about what they did when they got there, they were tired. Jesus was there. He wasn't there to eat when he got into Samaria. He was there to minister. He was there to save a soul. But the but the God but the the disciples, the church, they were hungry, so they went and they went after food, and they got food. Now this woman that got radically saved, she went after souls and she got souls. 
So it just hit me looking at that. And a lot of times I believe we usually get what we go after. Let me say it again. We usually get what we go after. So if you're hungry for souls, go after souls. You're going to get them. If you're hungry for McDonald's, they're open. Hey, but let's be about our Father's business first. Amen. And so just to the story, so that the lady, she runs back into her community. She runs back into her town. She's saying, come see a man. Come see a man. And it said because of her testimony, many believed. Many believed. So they came to Jesus, and they asked Jesus, Jesus, will you stay with us for two days? And then when they heard his word, it said many more believed. So because of this lady now, and when you think about her, she was lost. She, she was so ashamed that she was making up schedules so she could work around everybody. But now, look at her now. Now she don't care because the old man's dead, right? That now she's a new creation in Christ. So now she's running back to those same people that she was hiding from. And now she's saying, come see a man. Come see a man. And many came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior through that. And I just think that's where we need to be, church. I think that, again, Jesus said it 2,000 years ago. It's relevant today. We need to harvest. It's harvest time. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just first want to ask, is there anyone here today that would like to be that spiritual farmer? And the only qualifications is, is to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We never know when our last day is. We don't know when our last breath is. So I just pray that if there's anyone here today that is not right with Jesus, that today you make it your spiritual birthday. Now I'm just, I'm not going to belabor this. You've heard the gospel, you've heard the message, you've heard the good news. So if you don't know Jesus Christ and you want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, just slip up your hand. I won't embarrass anyone. We'll say a prayer together. I see that hand. Is there any? I feel like there's, I feel like there's somebody else. God's telling me to hold on. Is there someone else? Okay. So if, I, if, if we could, I'm going to ask the whole church, so the rest of us are the rest of us are uh, farmers. I'm just going to ask everybody to just say this prayer along with us so we all say it together. And I just want to say that it, it's not words. Words alone will not save us. It's a heart thing. Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells us that if we believe that Jesus is the Son of God and believe that God raised him on the third day, it said we shall be saved. It says... Romans 10, 13 says that all the call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I believe that when we do that, and then what we do is we, we get in church, we, get in, we start studying our Bible, um, we start living for the Lord, and, and what, you, what you're going to find out happens is the things that you used to do, you, you no longer want to do them. You no longer want to do them. So if you would, would everybody please repeat after me? Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm sorry for the things I've done, the ways I've lived, and for my sin. I ask you to wash me, cleanse me, and redeem me 
with your precious blood. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that God raised Jesus on the third day, and he is alive. At this very moment, I make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of my soul. So according to God's word, which cannot lie, I believe that I'm washed, I'm cleansed, I'm redeemed, I am saved. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. So, one, then one last thing for everybody else. If, could our minister, uh, ministry team please come forward? If, if you came in here with issues today, please don't leave the same way. We got an amazing ministry team. They will pray for you with, with salvation, uh, for healing, for deliverance. They'll pray for you for anything that you need. And uh, just I just ask you to come forward and pr- please ask if you need prayer. And the last thing I do, I do want to pray over everybody else. So if everybody else that are followers of Jesus Christ, if you would, just please lift up your hand. I just want to say a prayer. And are you guys willing to get out in that harvest field and harvest some souls? Are you guys willing? Okay. Gracious Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I just thank you so much, Lord, for all my brothers and sisters that are standing here. And I'm speaking to me, Lord, too. Lord, please pray, Lord. I pray that we do better, Lord. I pray that we don't walk around that person that we have so many times. I pray that we go through those thirsty souls that are in our, in our path. I pray that we go to our Samaria. Lord, your, your word tells us, Lord, that the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. And your word says to pray for labors. Well, Lord, look down on us right now. We got our hands up. We're saying we'll be labors for you. We'll say that we'll get out into that field. And that we'll sow and we'll reap souls for you that will, be, that will last for eternity. Lord, just be with us, encourage us, baptize us with the Holy Spirit. Um, just give us that boldness, Lord, to speak to that person. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you go to everybody that we're going to speak to. God, you're a big God. You know everyone that we're going to come in contact with. And I pray, Lord, that you just begin to fertilize that heart right now, Lord. Because you're the one that provides the increase. We simply sow and reap as you provide the increase. Lord, be with us. And Lord, this is all for your glory and to advance your kingdom. Lord, we love you and we give you all the praise, honor, worship, and glory. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen.